Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. We help you get your business to the level you want it to be at so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Woo! Rough (laughs) one today, Coach Mike. I thought French. Hey, that's the right word. I know. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen of listener land, I cannot get my last name right to save my stinking life. It's only been how many months since I've been married now? Four months? Uh, yes. And, and we laughed last week because at our B&I meeting, she stood twice, Trinity stood up and said, I'm Trinity Gregor. Yes. And the whole crowd went, oh, yeah. where's, the, where's the jar? Yeah. a dollar in. So. And then when she said French today, it stopped me for a second. I wanted to start laughing. I thought, no, let me get through the open here. But Trinity is, uh, we're taping a day early. So Trinity will be heading on a honeymoon with Scott. And then eventually that will start put into place you changing your name officially. Yes. As soon as we get back, the cogs are in motion and I will be officially changing my last name. So there will be no more confusion between what the heck I'm called. And I understand why you didn't because it would have taken forever. And if something wasn't changed and you traveling internationally... It just would have been. It, it would just, have been. You know, it, it would, it would not have stressed have me out. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. And I was using up all the last business cards that we had. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to get new ones. We will have to order we'll new the, business uh, cards for all uh, of our businesses. Address on there. Yep. Too, so yeah. All right. So we are here to talk to you today about one of. Let me back up. We open every show with Trinity saying this is one of my favorites, but this one actually is because it involves the Sandler rules. And this is, and I'm getting up to speed on Sandler. This is one of Trinity's favorite uh, books, coaching programs. You've spoken many times about Sandler. Yeah. So David Sandler um, was brilliant. Um, That's really the one word that I can use to describe him. He came up with an entire sales methodology that focuses on relationship building and being a consultant versus the hard sell. So in this, um, what really stands out to me is that he was developing this back in the 60s, which is when all of these hard sales tactics were at the peak of their, you know, you think, um, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, everything was sell, 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 always be selling, always be closing. I love that. I love Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Ross. I made a huge mistake one day in showing that clip to my entire office. And it had been so long since I'd seen the movie that I'd forgotten just Mm -hmm. how much they cuss. And I was known for cussing quite a bit, but I was on a cuss-free break and they were all teasing me that I was getting all my cussing in through them watching that clip. But But that was old school stuff. You're absolutely right. And if people, if you think about you as the consumer, do you want to be sold to or do you want to buy? My guess is you're like most people and you would like to make the decision to buy something if something somebody is proposing a product or service to you. And that's what I like about Sandler. It's just it a lot of it, and we're going to talk about prospecting on this show, a lot of it is just the process of prospecting. I liken it to previous episodes where you have talked about going to networking events with zero expectations. Yeah, set the bar really low, and the only way, the only place you have to go is up. Yes, 
And I had that very conversation with a, a new member of our BNI chapter who had not networked a lot. And I was explaining to him walking there with, with a plan, but zero expectations. And he looked at me with his, like I was speaking Greek or, or Latin or something. And then I explained it to him and he goes, okay, I get it now. So we are going to start at rule number seven, which is you don't have to like prospecting. You just have to do it. Yeah. And what Mike is talking about is there's a book called The Sandler Rules. If you're not familiar with David Sandler, I would recommend this as your first book that you go out and buy. Um, you can get it online. I actually went to try to buy a new copy today at Barnes & Noble, and they don't carry it in the freaking store. And I was like... Dang it, because Mike has my dog-eared, highlighted is. copy, um, and I wanted a new copy so I can reread it and re-highlight and re-dog-ear. And just so you know, if you are lucky enough to spend time with Trinity, and she is for you are fortunate enough for her to loan you one of her books, there's a map on how to read the book. <laughs> there <laughs> There's is. tabs and dog ears <laughs> and highlights everything, but it does help because she's read these. She's used these way more than I have. And there's a reason why she's uh, targeted those particular spots. Yeah. And I used to do training classes for real estate agents on these rules. So um, this book was one of my sales Bibles, as I call it. And it has definitely helped me immensely within my sales career. And I just love that his methodology really emphasizes on the mutual commitment between the rep and the prospect. So with the rep or the sales rep or the salesperson, whoever it is, is acting as a trusted advisor rather than as a typical salesperson. Yes. Because we all know that when you walk into a store or any place where you're thinking of buying something, like Mike just said, you don't want to be sold mm -hmm. to. We are programmed when we go into a store and the salesperson asks us, what are you looking for today? Our automatic response is nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing. Nope. Just, just browsing, yeah. just yeah. looking, even though we damn well know that we're in there <laughs> looking for either a pair of jeans or a sweater. We know exactly what we're looking for. Very. Or even a car. Yeah. We're on yes. the Ford lot. Nah, just, just looking, <laughs> just browsing. Yep. Nope. You are you are in your initial stages of buying and you're trying to figure out whether or not you're going to move forward and buy a vehicle, whether it be today or a year from now. Because there's a particular car you wanted to see on that Ford lot. Exactly. When I was uh, doing my reading over the weekend, it got me thinking on how I like to be approached. And if you are active on LinkedIn, and over the last four months, I've stepped up my posting game now that we have the, the podcast, and I've gotten to the point where I'm posting more, not as much as I should, but that's another podcast. As a business coach, actually on LinkedIn, you can type in business coach, realtor, uh, uh, social media marketer, anything like that, and names just come up. Mm -hmm. And so people will just connect and... A lot of the times they'll say, hey, Mike, I saw your profile. Looks like we have a lot in common. I'd love to connect with you. And I think I'm like most people. I'll give you a shot. Not a problem because I can always unconnect with you, which I've done. But people connect with you, and then five minutes later, here comes their sales pitch. Their sales pitch. And I'm like, no, yes. you don't care about me. So you know what? I'm just going to disconnect from you. I had a guy 
probably two months ago. He's an author in London. Never heard of him, don't know him, haven't heard from him since. But he approached it the right way, said, hey, Mike, I'm just giving you a LinkedIn wave to say, to say thanks for connecting with me. There's no need for you to respond to this. Oh, he gave you a takeaway. He did, and he had me hooked. And I sent a note back to him. I think his name was Dave. He said, Dave, you know what? I want you to know I appreciate your approach to me for telling me I don't have to do anything, and you're just giving me a LinkedIn wave. And we responded a couple times back and forth, and I finally said, and, and he agreed with me because the hard sell is just, it sucks. Yep. So I finally told him, like, look, I know you're an author in London. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have no idea if we'll ever connect uh, or if I can ever help you. But you know what? If you need something, Raleigh, give me a call. You, I'll help. And, and everybody else, I'm like, no, no, no. no I've started, no. Di- you know, unfriending, disconnect, whatever you do on LinkedIn. I don't know what the button says, but I just click the button. I wish you could say, it. hey, asshole, stop yeah. contacting me. Yeah, I thought about typing that too, yeah. but maybe we'll send a note to, uh, to the help desk at LinkedIn to put that. But it's that. So if you look back at the at the <laughs> I just had the snarkiest, <laughs> funniest idea that whenever these people message me that stuff on LinkedIn with the hard sell, mm-hmm. I'm just going to hard sell them back and yeah. be like, hey, your sales tactics probably not working. Maybe you should come to one of our seminars and just send them the link <laughs> directly back. We'll help you. <laughs> so think about the last couple, three transactions you've made more than at the grocery store where you actually had to go somewhere and research it or ask for help. And what made you pull the trigger on that transaction? And this is what I enjoyed a lot about Sandler because this is pretty much my first pass through these rules uh, in the book, and I love it. So talking about prospecting, we all have to do it. If you've ever been in a business meeting and the moderator says, who here is in sales? And of the 40 people, four people raise their hand, and the moderator goes, wrong. We're all All in in sales. sales. Yes. So we all have to do prospecting. There's difference between prospecting and sales. And like Trinity has talked about before, at networking events, focus on the end result. And some of this is going to sound real callous and real rude, but the prospecting process, it's a selection process. We're casting our net out there trying to figure out who's a good prospect. It's a lot like fishing. I don't fish, but I watch Deadliest Catch. Love that show. I'm just enamored with jobs that I can't do or would never do. And on a, a right. crab boat, wouldn't even dream about doing that. First of all, it's too yeah, cold. Yeah, I'd be and, barfing off the yeah, side. I don't like people yell at me. I get yelled <laughs> at enough, yeah. But when, when you see them pull their nets up and everybody's excited and they're dumping all the crabs in there, you see them throwing crabs back because they're not big enough. Mm-hmm. They're the wrong one. They wouldn't qualify. You can't sell them. It's the same thing. You're not being rude to anybody, but you may meet somebody that if we're small business coaches, we may meet somebody that's not a small business owner. So chat a little bit longer with them, then kind of move on to the next one just to see. But we're going to run into those situations. But but the point is, though, we're never going to know that until we strike up, strike up a conversation with that person. Right. So of the... 49 um, timeless selling principles that David wrote about in this book. We are going to hit um, a couple of them today. 
And we're going to start with number seven. You're probably wondering, why the heck are they skipping over one through six? Well, we have been on a prospecting kick lately because as the first step in the sales cycle, we feel that it is very important and we've been getting a lot of feedback and questions from our listeners and our coaching clients about prospecting. So why not strike while the iron is hot, while everyone's actually interested in a topic before they decide that they don't want to prospect this year. But all right, so rule number seven. Yes, is you don't have to like prospecting. You just have to do it. We all have to do it. But prospecting prospecting is figuring out who could be a potential client for you. And there's a number of ways to do that at a networking event. You just talk to people, meet people, because you never know. If we were out selling machinery to medical offices, where would we prospect? We would do some homework oh, let's go into these big medical parks instead of going into the UPS store, going into the flower store, going into Starbucks. Those aren't, that's not prospecting. That's just doing bad homework. But you have to prospect where your potential clients are. This rule is so important because one of the other rules that I love that's not a Sandler is to begin with the end in mind. And if you're constantly focusing on the rejection that happens from prospecting and not the end result of what actually is going to come about because you're prospecting, then you're going to get really burned out and you're not going to feel like doing it. Yes. One of my favorite quotes of myself is suck it up, buttercup. You yes. got to get out there. Yeah. You have to prospect. You just have to do it. No sale is going to happen unless you have a prospect to stick in the very top of that sales funnel. Rarely somebody going to walk up to you at a networking event and go, hey, you look like a business coach. Yeah. <laughs> not going to no, happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> Even though um, we did almost pick up a business coaching client when I was naked that one time. Remember? Yes. Your tanning lady. <laughs> yes. I don't if think you told that story on the area. I haven't. Now go ahead. Okay. So I was getting ready for my wedding and I found a woman who was referred to me that owns a mobile tanning service. So she comes into your house, she pops up a little booth, you get naked, you get in there and she spray tans you. And I was in there and we're chit-chatting about what it is that we do. And it comes up that I'm a business coach and it turns out that she was interested in franchising her business. And that's something that I have experience in and helping people to figure out whether or not they should franchise or not. And It just, so her and I have remained in communication and she might potentially become a client of ours, but Mike and I never can get over the fact that I picked up that client while I was naked. But the the moral of the story is not that you looked awesome tanned in your wedding dress. The moral of the story is you had the curiosity to ask her how's business Yes. And get to know her a little bit. And that's at the core of almost all of these Sandler rules. Yes, it is. And I was not afraid to talk to her about that. Actually, it was actually more comfortable to talk to her about business than thinking about how my boobies looked with them in her face. <laughs> I'm leaving that one off. I just am not going there. So, But the moral of the story, again, through a lot of this podcast and the next one is, are you not curious to see who in that room could be a prospect of yours or a client of yours? So here's a quote from um, this book. 
They said, if you focus on the emotionally charged, undesirable aspects of prospecting, the inevitable turndowns and rejections that are part of the process and nothing more, rather than on the more distant end results of the process, you set yourself up for frustration and disappointment. One of the things, and we've talked about this before, just because you get a no, that doesn't necessarily mean no forever. It could mean no for now, for February 2020. It could mean no. But what did you learn from the no? Was it just not the right time for them? Was your pitch poor? Did you not get to the point of what they needed? Or did you just tell them what you offer? So there's tons to learn from every interaction. My favorite question when you are feeling like not prospecting to ask yourself is what's the worst that can happen? If you're having phone anxiety, if you're having door knocking anxiety, if you're having networking anxiety, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst that can happen is somebody says no. And you have to move on to the next person. And yes, it might take you a little bit longer, but not every person is going to go from that prospect to suspect. Mm -hmm. They're just not going to. That's not the way of the world. That's not the way of ratios. And yes, it sounds, you know, intimidating or makes you not want to get up and go out and prospect. But once you do it enough times, you actually will begin converting some of those prospects into suspects. And then you get on the high and it feels really good. And in the words of a really wise woman, myself, it can't kill you. No, this truly cannot. This could just make for a crappy day at times because you feel like you didn't get anything accomplished. But if you look back at it, at Trinity, how many people have called you about finally finally ready to buy or sell a house from six or seven months ago? Oh, all the time. Because you laid the groundwork. Laid the groundwork. I've also had people that have called me to buy or sell a house, and then I find out they went and bought a solder house with somebody else. I face rejection the same as every other mortal human. It sucks. It stings. There's times that I'm just really pissed off at myself because I know that there could have been something that I may have done better or should have done better or I knew better and didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, prospecting. Definitely is the thing that we avoid the most, but need to do the most. The most. Yeah. I have read some of the Sandler rules prior to this, but I've not gone in depth like I did for this show. And number eight is what really hit home to me. When prospecting, go for the appointment. And we've talked about our previous shows, the sales funnel. We get very stressed out on, I have to get a client this week. I've got to sell something to pay the rent, whatever you need the money for. And we don't talk about, don't worry about the one. If you do everything to get to the one, the math will take care of itself. One of the things we talked about earlier were for financial advisors, their 10-3-1 rule. If they did had 10 legitimate conversations with people who needed help, and three of them came in their office for face-to-face meetings, on average, they'll close one of them. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to worry about one anymore. They just worry about, did I make my 10 qualified phone calls? So I love this. They just get the appointment. The selling does not rarely, let me say this, the selling rarely goes on at the networking event when you meet them. So you want to talk to the prospect, find out what they need, through a series of questions as you get to know them 
and then just set the appointment because that tells you they're interested. Yeah. One of my favorite um, lines to use when I'm at a networking event and I feel like someone might be a great prospect is I'll say, hey, I know like right now is not the time or the place and you're probably looking to interact with a bunch of other people, but I'd love to follow up with you and get on your calendar. And then I pause and they look at me and they go, yeah, that would that would be great. That sounds good. And then I'm like, hey, do you have your calendar with you right now? And then they look at me even more stunned and we go ahead and we get the appointment set. So my goal of leaving that is to have a couple of different appointments scheduled and in such a way that now I'm not hard selling them. We have an appointment on the books and we can move that sales conversation down the field. Again, let's go back to folks, you as the consumer, when somebody acknowledges what they know you're thinking, you look like you're in a hurry. I know you don't have any time today. You probably don't want me to sell you for three minutes on what I do. But if you would give me two minutes another time, just so I can tell you why I've called or what I do, I'd really appreciate it. But it looks like today is not the time for you. You think real hard about, you know what? I appreciate that. Yes, you can call me Tuesday. Yep. Same thing. So I love that. So set the appointment because too many people walk into these these events, their only goal is to sell. They don't think about building relationships. They don't think about doing anything else. They think about selling. We've talked about the sales funnel before. So when you're in a conversation with that person, we ask them questions about them. Oh, so what do you do? I own a pest control company. And one of your first questions would be, or at least I would ask is, we're early in fact in 2020. So how's the new year work looking for you? And based on my answer, you would go to, Hey, here's a thought or wow, that's great. I bet you're going to keep going. You would get into, so what do you do for sales to hit those numbers? You get them talking about themselves and then eventually you'll find your opening. And that is so important because going back to your people that instantly do the whole hard sales yes. pitch, those people are getting swiped left on and they're going in the left pocket and yeah. no one's going to want to do business with you because you're a creep and you don't want to be the creepy person, whether it's in person or over the phone. I get three to five cold calls a day. Oh, yeah. And they can all make your business even better. They tell you. Yes. That. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, some of them I give the time of day to because they have such an intriguing intro prospecting line that it makes me go, huh, okay. My next qualification of whether I stay on the phone with them or not is how they handle me when I begin to reject them because I know that I'm not a prospect for them. I don't buy leads off the internet. And that's what most of these companies are calling for. They're calling because they either want to take over my website. They want to sell me some kind of marketing scheme. They want to sell me an area for me to go, you know, market to. And that's not my business model. I work 100% by referral. So it does not fit within my model. And I let them know very early on that I'm not an ideal client for them. That's not within my business model. And you're actually doing them a favor. They may not think of it that way, but you're actually doing them a favor. Absolutely. And whether or not, if they keep pushing on and start telling me features and benefits of why I should talk to them, then you're (laughs) done. You're toast. And guess what? Click. I'm hanging up on you because you've just got and ground on my last damn nerve. Mm -hmm. But if they start asking me questions about my business, 
to get to know me a little bit better, they're going to keep me on the phone longer and potentially find a pain point that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And that's the other thing that, uh, that this book talks about is some people may not know, some potential clients may not know they need you, but they don't know that. And it's, when I was reading this the other day, I thought about the husband-wife rule. My wife gets me to say stuff. Instead of her telling me, she gets me to go, you know, boy, really wish the whatever whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, it would sound like my idea, and we're off and running. Right. So if you are at a networking event, if you have a product or service that you are selling or that you provide to somebody, and you're at a networking event, how nice would that be for you is if somebody was telling you about their business, so then you could understand, I think we can help you there. What would it be like if your salespeople did not have to do this? Suppose you're selling software or another service. You say, what what could your salespeople do with that extra time each day if they didn't have to worry about this? And that's what makes the business owner stop for a second and go, time and money get people's attention no matter what you do. But the minute somebody can show you, oh, I can save you an hour. Is it a networking event last night with a guy, insurance company? And he was talking about how his business is growing. He's got three agents under him. He wants to be at be a 10 by the end of the year. But he and his his admin are struggling getting her to do what he wants her to do. Couple of questions and he won't give up the information. Mm-hmm. And so I finally, we're talking about a couple of things. I'm getting not pushback, but not getting him to understand that. And I said, okay, so let's say all the stuff you think you need to do instead of sitting with your admin to figure out, Hey, if I need you, if this form needs to be done every day, how do you want me to do, to deliver the information to you? Not here's how I'm going to tell you what's the best way for her to receive that. So she can do that. So what if that saved you an hour a day? They, oh, by the way, he's got four kids at home. said, imagine if you had an extra hour every day, and if you dedicated three of those hours a week to work and two more back to the kids, dude, you're dad and husband of the year, right? What could you do with 12 hours a month? How much more money could you make? Mm-hmm. And that's what got his attention. But we kept talking. I had to ask him five questions to get to that, but he kept mentioning, oh, I'm so busy. I want to be with the kids before I go to work. I don't get into work by 9.30, so I stay in the office till 7.30. When I get home, the kids are in bed. Like, okay, we're looking at this the wrong way then. Let's look at the time part of it. And, man, as soon as we did that, he stopped, and he's like, yeah, I know. And then you booked him as a coaching client? I'm working on I'm working him hard. <laughs> I introduced him to Scott because he needed a new logo. Good. So I kept the connection going. He he liked enough of the conversation he and I had. Did you where, schedule the next appointment with him? Uh, I didn't because the way the networking was set up, we had to switch real quick. Okay. But I, he and I had been in touch email today already. Great. But he trusted me enough because he needed a new logo. He just went out on his own and said, well, I got a logo guy. He did my logo. I showed him our business card. And he goes, oh, I said, would you like me to introduce, do an email intro? He goes, yeah, that'd be a big help. So those two have already talked today. Awesome. But I got to that point where I was able to offer him something that he didn't have or make him think about something he hadn't thought about. But what I did was I eventually got to his pain point. And his pain point was time. I don't want to have to do all this because I know my assistant can do it. 
and she wants more work. And I said, dude, you got to keep feeding her then. If she wants more work, keep giving it back, back, give her more work that you don't need to be doing while you're out selling. And then she's happy. You're happy. Everybody wins that way. But we got to the time and we got to that one hour a day. And that's what finally got him to think, oh, you know what? That would be helpful. And it would have been a perfect example if you'd scheduled the next appointment. I, so I now your have, job, yes. your yes. next step is oh, yeah. to get that next appointment scheduled. Oh, I'll have that done tonight when I get home. But you are correct. But in that networking setup, it just didn't work that way to pull him aside to do that. I was prospecting the whole time. I never sold him. I never even once said, hey, you know what? I think Trinity and I can help you. Never once brought that up. We just kept talking about this, the structure of that relationship with him and his admin and how he needed to get stuff to her. And it was wonderful, but that's what prospecting is, is he just did all the talking. I asked a 10-word question, and I got three minutes back from him. Perfect. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Good guy, too. And we had met, this was at the go-karting place. We had met like six or seven months ago because we both looked at each other and went, we've met before, and we had, but, but we had a lot of fun, so. But set the appointment. Yeah, so I didn't quite do that, but I got him to talking. You got to the point where now you will be able to set the appointment because prospecting is not selling. So don't sell, just set the appointment. And that's what Sandler would say. That takes the pressure off of trying to put the cart before the horse. I always think of this as like if you were playing football, what's the goal of each play? Mm Mm-hmm. To get your yep. first down, right? Yep. So you're setting your appointment is getting your first down, and you just have to keep moving the ball down the field it's through every fu- step of the sales it's cycle. It's funny you mentioned football. That just triggered another thought. We're talking, and it's a guy sitting at a table, so I, this is not a sexist statement, but I normally go to, so are you a sports fan? He goes, I said, are you a football fan? He goes, I played football in high school. I said, sweet. I said, you're, you had a head coach, right? He goes, yeah. I said, you had an offensive and defensive coordinator, right? He goes, yeah. I said, did the head coach call every play on both sides of the ball? He looked at me and goes, no. <laughs> I said, exactly. You're the head coach. She's one of your coordinators. Let Give her the information and the ability to do her job. So I enjoyed that very much. But, yeah, so set the appointment. That's where the money happens. Very few people are going to buy at a networking event. But when you go to their office or they come to your office or you meet somewhere for a one-to-one, a cup of coffee to dig deeper into that, to have more conversations, now they're interested about your product or service and how you can help them. That's when you get to the sale point. Fabulous. What about rule number nine? You can learn from unsuccessful sales calls. If you truly want to get better, you can learn from every one of these. You Is it the scenario you walked into? If you walked into an office, was that person slammed with three people at the counter? Two phone lines were ringing and they just did not have the time to talk to you? Or did you walk in and go, boy, looks like you could use a scheduling software right now. Eh, in context, you need to do it. <laughs> but what did you learn from that? Every single sales call you go on, whether it's an in-person sales call, an on-the-phone sales call, um, or you're replying to you know a prospect maybe that pings you online, um, they might need your service or they might not need it, or they might not need it right now. So you really have to work on 
overcoming any of these little objections, again, to figure out what you're doing wrong on that sales call so you don't repeat that mistake on your next call. One of the things you can do, honesty is a wonderful thing. And if I were to call Trinity and I would ask you maybe, let's say your software, I guess your, let's say your CRM that you have, mm-hmm. and I sell a CRM, a customer Relationship management. That's it. Good thing relationships. A, a CRM's customer relationship management is where you put all your uh, clients' names in there, prospects, suspects, everything in there. And I call you or we meet at a networking event. It's like, oh, and you ask me what I do. It's like, well, funny, you're a realtor. I sell CRM software for real estate agents. And your first reaction, if you really like yours, would be wonderful. Uh, I, we've had ours for eight years. I love it. My first question back to you should be, well, tell me why it's so good. I'd love to hear about that. Instead of just uh, storming off or, oh, mine's way better. Having no idea what your brand is, which could be mine. Because yep. I've not told you what company I work for yet. But my first question back to you to learn is, oh, why is it so good? And then you may start talking about, oh, it does this, this, and this so good. And then there'll be a pause or I'll ask you a question about, so what are any new uh, tweaks that they've added to that? And then you go, uh, yeah, now that you mentioned that, they, they added this six months ago and it drives me nuts. And there's my opening right there. But it's that simple. So ask them why they're so happy with their current supplier. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. It's information and information is king. Info is king and also is applying those past learned lessons to your future calls. One of the tips that I would share with my agents when they were making sales calls on the phone is I would say tone is on the phone Mm. because your tone of voice and how you deliver a script is everything. And again, you as a consumer, when when you know you're getting a sales call, Hi, my name is Mike. I'm with XYZ Company. I'm calling to offer to tell you why we can make you so much more money by buying our service. Really? That's just gonna hearing you, you say that made me dislike you just a little bit more. I'm like, oh, But you cringe. could tell I had zero enthusiasm. I probably was not. I didn't believe what I was telling you. So, yes, to go to your point about tone, yeah. Tone is yeah. on the phone. You Tone are on the phone. Right. People can tell if you're smiling or not. Yes. So smile on the phone. Yep. They will hear it in your voice. Enthusiasm, standing up and walking around while you're making your phone calls mm-hmm. boosts your energy and allows you to be able to do your calls with more enthusiasm. So and that just way. Learn your script so you're not reading Oh it. my learn gosh. Because when you meet anybody, whether it's business the neighborhood, church, school, you know when they're BSing you. You know when they don't believe what they're telling you. And a script should never sound scripted. You should know that script inside and out. I use scripts for everything. For my listing consults, for my buyer orientations, I say the same thing every single time, but it comes across as genuine and it comes across as if I know what I'm talking about because it's scripted. Mm. I always use the example... That if you went to see a Broadway play and those actors don't know their lines, that play <laughs> is going to absolutely suck. Yes. Because it's going to come across that they don't know what the frick they're talking about. And it's the same way. 
the best people in business know what they're going to say next. They're not just flubbing for things. They're not flying by the seat of their pants. They are prepared. They have rethought and reworked things that didn't work in the past. So when you have an unsuccessful prospecting call, try to think through whether it was the way you said something, how you said it, rewrite your script, repractice it, and get back on the phone. One of the reasons why you should keep doing that is you know if you ask a specific question what a yes or a no means and where you should go with it. Just because somebody says no, that does not make that an, an unsuccessful phone call. And the other thing they talk about is the three-foot rule. Anybody within three feet of you, you should make contact with. Not grab them, not hug them, but say hi, because you never know. And... The old adage of always be selling, we need to reprogram mm -hmm. our brains and to always be prospecting. We're going to work it. We're going to come up with something while you're on your honeymoon and I have next week off as far as podcasting goes, you and I are going to come up with some of it. We're going to come up with our Trinity rules. That's what we're going to come rules. up with. Yes. Perfect. She does. And always do. be prospecting. Always, yes. That's rule number one. Yeah, but we'll, cause that was a B. Yeah. It, well, Always be closing. ABC, that movie was always be closing. closing. Which, so we're going to come up with our own, are those acronyms? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, we'll come up with our own. So yeah, we'll yeah. work on that. Because if you're always out and you're always aware of that prospects might be around you, then your antenna, your reticular activator, Love it. Is, going to, <laughs> is going to perk up and you're going to be more aware. And then you're going to be able to pounce on those prospects yep. and schedule an appointment with them. If you're off in la-la land and you're not paying attention to the people that are around you, pretty much every event I go to, I pick up a new client just through talking to people. It's fantastic because it's just a matter of listening for the right trigger words. Like, I'm thinking of moving yeah. or, oh, great. Are you right. renting currently? Like, and I just start asking yep. them questions. And then before I know it, I'm scheduling an appointment with them. And then at that next appointment, I can find out whether or not they're going to become a client of mine. In going back to my conversation with the insurance guy last night, the actual thinking about the one thing that proved I was listening to what he said is I hooked him up with our printer, Scott Sams, because he needed a logo. So mm -hmm. if I do nothing else, I've helped him get his own logo, which he will remember the relationship just because of that. Oh, he will. So number 10, develop a prospecting awareness. Okay, so Trinity's rule, schedule the damn appointment. Yes, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for the support for the show. Last week, we mentioned we passed 1,000 plays. We thank you for that. We ask that you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so we know we're doing good. Any recommendations you have for show topics, we'd love to hear from you on that. We would love for you to email us any of your ideas, recommendations, or people you would love to hear from on the show at wired2change.com. With the number two. With the number two. Email us info at wired2change.com with the number two. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.